Well, glad you're back. Listen, I want to take you on a journey today that is what I call a reality journey. So just imagine we got into a truck together and the truck's name is reality. This is something that's hard for all of us to face. Sometimes reality was hard for me to face, hard for me to see. Some of the changes I've seen, some of the things I've seen in the last several years, a couple of years in particular, have been hard. But facing the truth is the key. And then not only just facing the truth, but facing the truth about how we got to a particular place. I believe that everybody can get to a place and not really know how they got there if they're not honest. But let me read a verse to you, and then I want to explain something. This is a key verse. Jeremiah 29, 11. I have loved this verse for years. When I first heard it, it knocked me over because of the truth, the way it sounds, just the wording of it. So listen, let me, let me put it on the screen for you. I want you to listen to this verse. This is so incredible. Here's what he says. For I know the thought, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. This is an incredible verse. Because there's a verse that says a lot of things. Now, if you read the first part of the verse, you get really excited. I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a future and the hope. And so that sounds really great. You know, no matter where you are in life, you want to feel like you have a hope. You want to feel like when you pray that God hears you and God really cares about you and your future is bright. You know, you want to feel that way. But in the context of this verse, this is a verse more about them facing the truth and, and realizing how they got into this place. They're presently in captivity in Babylon in the context of this study. And they are uh, facing a 70-year period of enslavement, captivity and bondage. And, and you'll see that later on in our study. And so the question becomes, how did you guys get here? How did this happen? That's what this sermon's about. This is about facing reality and looking at the reasons where, where we are. So he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good, not for evil, plans to give you a future and hope. Good stuff, right? But then as he talks about that, he says, but let me go back and talk about how you got here. Let me talk about why you need a new plan. Let me talk about why you need hope, why you need a new future strategy. It's because you started off as rebellious people. And there's just this incredible truth that's hard to think about. But listen to this statement. Israel could no longer run from the truth about the rebellion and the consequences it brought into their lives. Israel could no longer run. They could no longer ignore the consequences that their rebellion brought into their lives. This was a moment of truth. And what he needed them to do was four things. And we'll study those four things over this study in the next few weeks. First of all, they need to embrace reality. They need to look at reality in the face and say, okay, I am here, we are here in this captivity in Babylon because of A, B, and C. 
Second thing they need to do is embrace a, a, a more mature attitude. Their attitudes were bad. The reality was they'd gotten to a place where they just didn't care, didn't respond, didn't listen to God. And then they had to embrace the fact that they had some religious leaders that were really out of sync. So they had to embrace the truth about the religious leaders. And then lastly, they had to embrace the truth about a timeline. This is going to be a 70 year run. Some things are not going to be in 10 minutes. You're not going to get a new job that pays at that level in five minutes. You're not going to be remarried in a month. You're not going to have certain things. There's, there's this in a moment where we need to back up the train and talk about reality. And that's what this is. This is a, a setting the stage for reality. And it's not easy. I call it a truth walk where you face the facts and you look at your life and you say, okay, from Jeremiah chapter one to Jeremiah chapter four, there's that. If you want to read that on your own, there's that truth walk where he walks them through this incredible season of challenge. Now, I want to give you a little history lesson. So what I'm going to do is put this little statement on the screen. I want you to follow me so you can understand where we are. This is the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem and Jeremiah and Jeremiah. Uh, to the surviving elders among the exiles and the priests, the prophets, and all the other people. Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, uh, and this was the after King uh, Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers, the artisans, had gone into exile from Jerusalem. So they took the cream of the crop, took them into exile, and you have this incredible statement in Jeremiah where he's trying to speak to those people and he's trying to speak to those who were taken away in captivity because they didn't take everybody. They took several thousand people, but they didn't take everybody. So you have those who are in exile who've gone to Babylon and you have those who are left behind. And so there's this incredible conversation that God has through the prophet with the people and says, let's while we're in this trial, rather than just feeling sorry for ourselves, let's embrace reality. Let's have a conversation about how we got here and let's talk about how we're going to survive this. And it's really it really is important. You know what we're going through right now in our society. There is a moment where you have to kind of say, OK, how did we get here and how do we manage it? And how have we managed it? And are we doing a good job? It's a reality check. And it's hard for people to do that. It's hard to sit back and say, this is the truth. This is how we got in this place and this is how we're going to get out of it. And so look at verse four of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse four. This is what the Lord Almighty God, the God of Israel, says to all those I've carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses. Would you, now, would you listen to this? This is a moment where he says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters Increase in number there, right there in Babylon, in captivity, increase in numbers and do not decrease. Here's what he's saying. I need you to face reality. You're going to be here for a minute. That's hard for us. It's hard to look at something and say, man, this is going to be more than five minutes. So how good are you at facing reality? How good are you at doing that? How good are you at, at looking at something and saying, this is the truth and that's not the truth. Now, sometimes what we can do, we can fake and pretend 
and we like that. And, and I believe one of the sad things in the way we interpret the Bible sometimes is we believe that the Bible gives us a shortcut out of everything, and it doesn't. There is no shortcut here. So what they're going to have to do is, number two, not only was that number one, embrace the new reality, but they must, number two, embrace a mature attitude. They can't go around with an immature attitude and succeed. God is in this season of challenge for them. And he says that I carried you off to, into, into this bondage. I allowed you to go. I allowed this to happen to you because of your rebellion. So I want you to adjust your attitude. You need to just settle down, have children, build a house because you're going to be here for a minute. Look at verse 7 of, of Jeremiah chapter. I love this chapter uh, 32, 30. Um, <laughs> I always forget 29. I'm sorry. Chapter 29. Look at verse um, verse seven. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. To which I have carried you into exile. Pray the Lord for it, because if it if it prospers, you too will prosper. So I want you to um, not blame the people who put you in captivity. Your rebellion brought you here. I want you to not not focus on somebody. And I think that's one of the things we've done wrong in this whole crisis. If you're watching this during the pandemic season, you know, you want to name a country. It's, it's, it's China. It's uh, this group, that group. We in this together. We, we one nation. We one world. You know, I understand, you know, you can blame people and maybe they're, I don't know, facts we need to learn. But the reality is we're in this together. I see this in families. You're all broke. You're all struggling. So you can sit there and blame each other, but you're all in the same boat. So what he said was, Pray for each other. Change your attitude. Stop blaming your daddy. Stop blaming your mama. Ban your money together. Ban your life together. Look, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't win apart. A house divided can't stand. So I want you to see, he says, okay, guys, take the long view. During this complex season, take the long view. Adjust your attitude. Begin to pray. Ask for peace and prosperity in the city. That's what you need to do. Well, I ain't praying for them. They got me in bondage. Well, yeah, but listen, if, if, if you're in this together. And I, I'm going to do an entire sermon on this whole issue of attitude. But I want you to hear me. If you don't force, get the word out here. If you don't force yourself to change your attitude, you're never going to get better. We can't get better. I, 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 I don't, I can't say it any plainer than that. Here's number three. You ready? Number one. Remember I said, number one, embrace reality. Number two, embrace a new attitude. And number three, embrace the truth about who's been influencing you, your leaders. Now, I'm going to tell you something I believe. Verse eight is powerful. Verse eight puts people like me in check, all of us who are leaders, mamas, daddies, bosses, pastors, preachers, mayors, governors, presidents, everybody. Here's what he says. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Notice, do not listen to the dreams you, you encourage them to have. You put so much pressure on them, they're making up stuff. You're part of the problem. You put so much pressure on your leaders and your leaders end up becoming a bad influence. They're prophets and diviners, and they deceive you. Boy, I tell you. Mm. Verse 9, they are prophesying lies in 
my name. The Lord said, <laughs> be careful. I, the Bible is a really great gift to us because it forces you into a very, very uh, tight box of facts. And you don't get to rewrite what's true and what's not true. The Lord was smart in that he gave us a, a guide. And I really believe it's important because we start making up all kinds of stuff. And I don't want to go through the authenticity of scripture. and That's another study. But I just want to say you got to be careful who you allow to be your spiritual influencer. Because what happens is if you're not careful, they'll say things you need them to say. You'll, you'll, you'll force your pastor into boxes and corners and your leaders. And many times I see kids do that to, to their parents. You know, you're, you're trying to maintain a relationship so you won't speak the truth. But in this context, he's talking about their spiritual leaders. And so I'm, I'm going to do a whole sermon and I'm going to talk a lot about this whole idea of how spiritual leaders can influence you in a bad way and how important it is for us to understand. We create cultures and force people into schedules. I'm going to say this slowly now. We force them into schedules. We force them into financial obligations. We force them into ways of thinking. We force them into, into patterns of life that are unhealthy. Sometimes we demand too much from them. And a lot of times we do it in a prophetic way, as if God is telling us. And then sometimes I think, ah, you need to weigh that out and make sure you're, you're not being too extreme. But that's another whole sermon I promise I'll talk about later. Number four, they need to embrace, this is the last thing I said, need to embrace the timeline of 70 years. Look at verse 10. This is what the Lord says, Jeremiah 29 and 10. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back into this place. But it's going to be in 70 years. Now, if you may, you just, you, you, you want to, now, come on now, come on now, now, now wait, 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 wait. What? What? I mean, I mean, that's my whole life. You know, it, so my two-year-old is not going to, is going to be raised here. My five-year-old, my, you know, you start thinking about this. If, if you're 50 and you're hearing this message, you're going, and, and the average age of life, by the way, around this time was somewhere in the 50s, 40s, 51-ish. They, they didn't live that long. Some, some say in the 40s. So you, you got this 70 year, you can't, that's my whole life. Yeah, it's just going to be, he said, 70 years. You're not leaving. And, and so, how well do you do with long-term issues? You can't get off this job right now. You can't afford to. You have to pause where you are and embrace reality. Can you, can you bring yourself to look at life and say, this is not going away tomorrow? Or do you need somebody to come and prophesy a lie to you and tell you, oh, it's going away in five minutes? And if you're not careful, you will convince a guy, spiritual leader, to say something positive to keep you happy instead of adjusting your attitude and adjusting your prayer and beginning to say, Father, let me work it, work it out right here. This is not perfect, but I'm, I'm going to work it out where I am. I'm, I'm going to change my attitude toward this job, change my attitude towards the husband I got, the wife I have, change my attitude. Let me embrace a new way of living my life, which brings me to the final point I want to make today. We have to learn how to embrace God's plan during this season. Look at verse 11. This is where that verse we started with. I know the plans I have for you. After saying all that to them about reality and the rebellion and how they got here, he says, but I know the plans I have for you. 
declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. That's my plan. Plans to not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, that's the attitude part, see? And I will, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from the captivity. I promise you, I will bring you back from the captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you. And that's what he told Israel. This is a promise to Israel. He did that in 1948. He said, I'm going to bring you back from all the places I banished you, declares the Lord. But notice, he banished them. You wouldn't listen. So he said, I tell you what, I'm going to let you die. I'm going to let you live in the wilderness. I'm going to let you go through these hardships because you won't listen. So because you won't. But if you listen to me, I'll bring you back from all the places I banished you. And <laughs> I love that. The Lord God says, and we'll bring you back to the place from which I carried you next. I promise you. So I, if you want to list, here's what he's promising. Number one, I'm going to prosper you. I like that. Number two, I'm not going to harm you. Number three. I'm going I'm to give you hope. Number four, I'm going to I have plans for you to find me. You're going to look for me and find me. I said he plans to punish those who've harmed you. He says, I plan to, to punish those religious leaders who've harmed you. And I'll talk about all that down the road here in our study. But I want you to see he has a plan. But it starts with you embracing reality. So how good are you at that? So next time I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about your attitude because I think that is the key. I've always told my kids, attitude is the key to success. It starts with a good attitude. Some of, some of the ways we've raised Christians, believers, people in the world to think, just people in general, we've taught them bad attitude habits. The way they look at reality, the way they look at the world, they don't want any trouble. They want to rebel. The Bible says that you know, very clearly that sin is a reproach to any people. Things that we've done, the way we've raised our kids... I was talking to somebody the other day and they were talking to me about crime. And I said, well, you know, those are your children. Those are your kids out there committing the crimes. Where are the parents? Where are the, where are the granddaddies and the cousins and the uncles stopping their own children? You know, if everybody stopped their own family members from committing crime, there'd be no crime. If everybody focused on doing their part, it's not just the police department's job. I'm not just defending the police department. I was making a point. You know, Brother Rick, you're always saying this. I am saying it because it's true. It's not just the mayor or the government or somebody else. It's my responsibility to make sure the temple, anybody with the name temple that has any influence in my life, that I am, I am a present inspirer of good. My, I, need to, I, need to, I need to embrace that reality. That's my job. And God's looking at them saying, listen, it's time for you folks to understand. You got here. How did you get here? You got here because of rebellion. That's how we got here. We didn't get here because of a president. We didn't get here because of a Senate. We didn't get here because of a Congress. We got here because of a rebellious people. We made decisions. We had attitudes and it made our kids act like this. The schools are like they are not because of the superintendent or because of the teachers or the principals. They're that way because the kids you sent to the school had issues. You sent them there all messed up in their head. You sent them there with pride and don't want to learn. And, they, and then they come home and tell you, you go cuss the teacher out. You, you, you challenge yourself. And so you're wondering why. And then they don't have a, can't get a job. And then they end up in crime or doing drugs. And you're wondering, how did this happen? Where is society falling apart? I don't understand. Well, yeah, you understand. You don't know how you got here. God's plan was different for Israel, but they wouldn't respond. So he said, tell you what, it becomes what it becomes. 70 years. A lot of what you see in some of our families 
including some of, whew, it's hard to say, but it's true. Some, not all, some, some of the loss of life, some of the shootings, some of it's because families are out of control. We got here because we walked here. We, we, we decided to be here. Churches are doing the same thing right now. They're making decisions that are incredible to me. They care more about, about gathering than they do about their people. I'm not against gathering as long as you can do it safely. I'm just simply saying some people, I mean, they're just not, they're in a place because of the fact that they've pushed against, rebelled against good counsel, good advice. That's why you ain't got a husband. You don't know why you don't have a husband? Look at the preacher. You don't know why. You cuss out the last two or three guys you dated. You fight too much, girl. Chop, chop. You know why you don't have a, a woman in your life? Because nobody want to be beat up all the time? Or, 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 or pay, for, pay for you? You don't even want to pay your fair share? You want to live with somebody and never contribute to anything? And if you are home, your, your house a mess? That's why. And then you're praying, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm here. Yes, you do. God's got a plan for you, but the plan can't work until you deal with the issues in your life. You got to embrace reality. So he told them. See, we like Jeremiah 29 11, right? We quote it all the time. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Yes, yeah, but you got to stop rebelling for that plan to be activated in your life. We have to get in line so God can bring his best to us. That's Rick. Where, where do I start? New attitude. I'll talk more about that next week. If you really want to see something happen in your life, it starts with new attitude. I got to go. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time today. I pray for these minutes together. I pray that this has helped them think through where they are and where they need to be. I pray that they would open their hearts and minds to the plans that God has for them. They've got to manage this season. They can't run from it. It's not going to be a day or a week. It may take them a while, but you are faithful. And so, God, I ask you to move in their life. Help them be prepared for the things they pray for. They're asking for things you can't give them because they have the wrong attitude and they won't face reality. They won't fight the fight they're in. They're ignoring the truth. Help us, Lord God, face our truth and grow in Jesus' name. Hey, it's been great. I've enjoyed the few minutes we've had together. I pray you take what I've said and let it bless you. I'm going to come back to you again next week and I'm going to share a little bit more with you about attitude. The key to success can change your life. If you just stop all the big bad words, pause the anger, calm down and watch God bless you. Got to go. I'll see you next time right here. I want to tell you something, my friend. Love you. Care about you. And I'll see you next time. You be blessed. And I'll see you right here in the word of God with me. Bye bye.